It is March 23rd, 2017. My name is Joel Tillis. You are listening to The Soul Trap. It is a beautiful day here Thursday on the west coast of Florida. Breeze is blowing, sun is shining, water is green. We are very, very blessed to have you tune in and listen wherever and whenever you're listening. We trust that this broadcast finds you in good health, good spirits, and most of all on that good and narrow way. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. You can contact The Soul Trap via Facebook Messengers. We'll try to get back to you as quickly as we can. We try to post articles on there and good information for you. You can also email us. At Pastor Tillis at Suncoast Baptist Church. That's Pastor Tillis at SuncoastBaptistChurch.org, and we'll get back to you just as quickly as we can. We appreciate you taking the time to tune in and listen. Give us feedback. We always enjoy hearing from you, and we always consider it an honor to be a part of your journey and you to be a part of our journey. We're going to talk today about paranormal activity, a paranormal concept, uh, and probably one that that many of you are familiar with if you're in the paranormal community at all, if you are familiar with the paranormal genre, then what we're going to talk about today may not necessarily be new, but I think to some degree I might be able to connect it to the Bible, and that's always a big thing for us is, is there some sort of truth that we can more ourselves to, connect ourselves to. I'm talking about the concept, the phenomenon of black-eyed children. We're going to talk about black-eyed children, but I want to come at it from a little bit of a different angle and lay some groundwork so that what we're talking about is not just an emotion and not certainly just urban evolution uh, or urban um, you know development and evolution of ideas and of thoughts, but but really has some basis in reality. Now, the truth of the matter is there's nothing, nothing creepier in a movie to me than scary kids. Um, I remember a while back, I watched the movie Mama, and those little kids, dirty and gross and scary, crawling across the floor. There's just something scary about kids. But I think when you look at the movies and you look at folklore going on, they have tapped into this concept, this genre of black-eyed children. Now, we're going to start by laying a groundwork for the spiritual possibility. And we start with the concept of a tulpa. A tulpa, T-U-L-P-A, is a concept in mysticism, both in Eastern tradition and Western forms of occultism and mysticism, that allows for a being or object to be created through spiritual or mental disciplines. Indian Buddhists Uh, text, call it unreal, illusory, or mind-created apparitions. As Bible believers, I would argue that even given the right circumstances and allowances made by God's providential hand, the powers of darkness can produce extreme manifestations. For example, when Moses cast his staff down before Pharaoh, it turned into a snake. But you must remember, so did the magicians of Pharaoh. The magicians of Pharaoh. That staff that they had was used as a conduit in some fashion beyond our limited dimensional understanding to bring into reality a snake. Understand the concept of the story. Inanimate reality was turned into animate reality. And that's the key. 
Tulpas are used as conduits to bring into our reality that reality that is from the other side. Now, let me say that again. Tulpas, whether in Eastern mysticism or Western mysticism, are tulpas, thought tulpas, that are used as conduits to bring into our reality that reality from the other side. Thought forms are understood in much the same way. Mainstream research states that a thought form is the equivalent concept of a tulpa, but within the Western occult tradition. The Western understanding is believed by some to have originated as an interpretation of the Tibetan concept. Its concept is related to the Western philosophy and practice of magic, and there's that word again, magic. Not the Chris Angel Las Vegas kind, but that kind that taps into the other side of the veil and births into our world a presence. Occultist William Atkinson, in his book, The Human Aura, describes thought forms as simple ethereal objects emanating from the auras surrounding people, generating from their thoughts and feelings. He further elaborated on thought forms in his book, Clairvoyance and Occult Powers. The book explains how experienced practitioners of the occult can produce quote-unquote thought forms from their auras that serve as astral projections which may or may not look like the person who is projecting them, or as illusions that can only be seen by those with an awakened sense. The theophist Annie Besant wrote a book entitled Thought Forms, describing them in detail, and her descriptions of them, quite frankly, are frightening. The book divides them into three classes. The first are forms in the shape of the person who creates them. Forms that resemble objects or people may become ensouled or inspirited, she believes, even by the dead. And forms, thirdly, that represent inherent qualities from the astral or mental planes, such as emotions. The concept of thought forms, of tulpas, are far more mainstream than we realize. For example, there was the concept explored in the 1999 X-Files episode Arcadia. And in 2006, Supernatural episode Hell House, more and more there are emerging stories of practitioners who create imaginary friends and believe them to be sentient. It's funny to think about the concept of imaginary friends. Now, all children have vivid imaginations and all children play and all children um, have those imaginary concepts and that's part of what makes us human. That's part of what makes us uh, the creative human beings that we are is that imagination. But one has to wonder, are there tulpas possible through the imagination? More and more, there are emerging stories of practitioners, as I stated, who create imaginary friends and believe them to be sentient. And some go so far as to suggest that there may be a case for tulpa connections between certain video sensory saturation games, such much like... Uh, Adam Lorenza, who was involved in video saturation games before the shooting or the alleged shooting at Sandy Hook. Then there's the Charlie Charlie games and even old school Ouija boards. Are these tulpas, thought, energy, emotion, venues through which the powers of darkness can express themselves? There is actually a community that originated in 2009 from a discussion board 
and gained popularity through the emergence of the, quote, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fandom. There's that word magic again. These individuals calling themselves tulpamancers belong to primarily urban, middle-class, Euro-American adolescents and young adult demographics. They cite loneliness and social anxiety as an incentive to, to pick up the practice. They report an improvement in their personal lives through the practice and new unusual sensory and spiritual experiences. Some practitioners have even claimed to have had sexual and romantic interactions with their tulpa. It is against this backdrop that we discuss one of the strangest cases among the paranormal field, and that is the case of black-eyed children. While some people state that it is nothing more than an urban legend gone wild, Sure, it may be a legend gone wild, whatever you want to say, but others are suggesting that there may be a tulpa effect that has taken place. What are black-eyed children? The black-eyed kids are supposedly otherwise normal-looking children, ranging in ages from five or six to their mid-teens. Some have been described as wearing white bedclothes, others normal attire, or as having pale skin with the pallor of death upon it. One key feature, however, remains constant about the appearance of these creatures. Their eyes. It is their eyes. Their eyes always appear as jet black pools of inky darkness with no discernible sclera, whites, iris, or pupil. Now, this is very important. The Bible, and I paraphrase here, states that the eyes are the window to the soul. And anyone who has had the discomfort of being around somebody who has died or passed away, you know that there is a deadness to the eyes when there is a deadness to that person. The obvious implication would then be that these children do not have a soul. Something that we have long thought about at the Soul Trap is the concept of the truly wicked generation, the truly wicked genoration. Call it Satan's seed, whatever word you want. The question has always been that when the Bible uses such references in Ephesians 2, Proverbs 30, and other places, is it purely spiritual or could there be something more to it? If there is indeed a racial genetic people of God, is there a genetic people of Satan? According to the urban legends, these black-eyed creatures appear often late at night, knocking on doors and windows asking in monotone voices to be let in or giggling in high-pitched, piercing tones, scurrying shadows across the room, scuffling voices and giggles in the blackness just beyond the doorway. So what are black-eyed kids? Many wonder out loud if there is a rational explanation for them. There is no way to definitively pin down the birth of the ghoulish story of black-eyed children, nor does there appear to be a single source. What is known is that the specific black-eyed children concept began to gain traction in our most current form in the late 1990s across internet message boards. For years, the message boards were lit up with stories of encounters. While difficult to pin down the exact origin of the black-eyed kids' stories, or even if there was some sort of a urban legend spook fest going on, the reality is it was hard to pin down where it came from. Some people suggest, though, that a single source might have been the story of Brian Bethel, an internet blogger slash journalist who claims his was the first black-eyed kid encounter. 
from that story that Bethel let loose in 1998, on a ghost hunter forum two years after his experience, The Legend of the Black-Eyed Children was released into the internet world. The question is not primarily if his story was real. Some have doubted his story and thought that it was nothing more than a writer taking license and having a good time, but that is not the question. The question is, could his story, could his psychic and spiritual energy funnel through the words and the fears of those that have read it have created a tulpa, a thought form, an energy form through which dark powers could manifest themselves? Throughout the Bible, the powers of darkness seek dimensional forms, if it be a body, a host, or even through an inanimate idol. There has never been, to this date, physical evidence to suggest that the black-eyed children are real or physically present in any way, if they exist or if they don't. And this seems to be the blight of almost all paranormal research. They know that it's there. They want it to be there. They believe that it's there. But although it is there, they can never seem to prove it empirically, always leaving us confused, always leaving us wanting more. There is always a piece missing from the puzzle. Yet, although there is no hard proof of black-eyed children, no pictures, no recordings, no anything that we know of that can be empirically verified, there has also never been a recorded act of anyone called engaging in the hoax. And that is very telling. No one has ever been called engaging in a hoax to scare unknown people by putting in contacts and running around asking to be let in. So if we cannot say that the black-eyed children are real due to the lack of evidence that supports their existence, what else is there? What are these beings that knock on the doors, that show up in people's backyards, that seem to come from nowhere? Are they spiritual entities, alien hybrids? Demonic entities, vampires, men in black, time travelers, interdimensional beings, extraterrestrials. The list goes on and on of people trying to make sense of a foolish story that has simply taken root in the zeitgeist of American culture, or is there something more to it? The stories actually go back further than people believe. To assume they are simply the product of internet hysteria in the late 90s is wrong. One account goes all the way back to 1974 in France. According to an early witness report from the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, two men known as Elaine and Patrick were making a leisurely drive through a small village enjoying the autumn weather. It was around 3 p.m. when they decided to turn around and take a different route. Upon turning back, Patrick noticed something near the last house in the village that made him hit the brakes. There in the courtyard of the house were five small figures. Three of them stood in the background, huddled together. Another was tracing his hands along the home. The last figure stood facing Patrick and Elaine. Elaine rolled down his passenger side window to get a better look. He reports that his blood ran cold when faced with the being. He was told that the appearance of the five characters was as strange as their behavior. They were all just over four feet tall. They were dressed alike with long garments that almost reached the ground. These garments were decorated with multicolored spots. The beings themselves had earthly yellow skin and long hair that fell down their backs to their waists. Their noses were compressed inward and their eyes were described as enormous, solid black hemispheres the size of of billiard balls. There is actually a witness drawing that was released by NICAP. Soon, the being closest to the car began to wave to Patrick and Elaine, gesturing to come closer. The motion of the being scared Elaine so much that he screamed in terror for Patrick to drive away. Patrick hit the gas pedal and they sped out of the area to a nearby town. They told several locals of what they had witnessed. 
They returned hours later to find no sign of the small beings anywhere. Eight months later, an investigator finally made it to the scene and spoke with nearby residents. The story recounted that, interestingly, he found a neighbor who had noticed the beings on the road in front of the home. He reported that he thought the beings he saw were children dressed in yellow oilcloth. While this pre-internet account of black-eyed beings was intriguing, it did not exactly fit the mold of the stories that were later to be found online. But it is close enough to suggest that this phenomenon may have been occurring for some time. What I find most interesting is the size of them. Like the supposed little green men and greys from other worlds, these are all children small in size, and even the teenagers appear to be thin or small or gangly to some degree. There is no arguing that many accounts of these black-eyed children are completely fabricated, at least though they may be believed by the people that simply facts don't seem to bear it out. Maybe a digital game of telephone trickery, as one person has suggested. But the research done by David Weatherly proves that black-eyed beings can be traced back even to the very ancient Chinese. Again, we're not talking about something that just cropped up. As far back as ancient China, there are accounts of ghostly black-eyed of a ghostly black-eyed girl who often reported haunting areas. Angered by her wrongful death, she would haunt local villages, terrifying vulnerable passerbys. Other examples of folklore and Asian culture were also brought to the attention of Weatherly and his research. One can look at Japanese horror films that were directly inspired by ancient tales of demons and evil spirits, showing us modern-day versions of these apparitions and being in the form of children with identical black eyes. One author states, quote, There's a lot to indicate that these kids may be omens of ill fortune or perhaps warnings of coming difficulties. Those who have reported intense and fearful encounters often say that prayer and spiritual protection are what they believe save them from worse consequences. The tradition doesn't seem to matter since reports have come from every religion and every walk of life imaginable. End quote. There is something to the story to some degree. The following was taken from a news story, quote, The fabled black-eyed children are back in the news after an alleged encounter with one of the kids at Canock Chase in Staffordshire. A mother wrote to paranormal researcher Lee Brickley with the following account, quote, Around two months ago, my daughter and I were walking through Birches Valley, an area well known for its spectral sightings, when we heard the screams of a young child. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or girl, but they definitely seemed in distress and sounded very close to us, so we instantly started running toward the noise of the child that was screaming, in distress. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. And that's when I turned around and saw a girl standing behind me, no more than ten years old, with her hands over her eyes. She then put her arms down by her side and opened her eyes, which is when I saw they were completely black. No iris, no white, nothing. Nothing but terror. I jumped back and grabbed my daughter. When I looked again, the child was gone. Rickley, the author who has recorded this story, also tells an account that happened to a relative of his own family. A relative of his own family claims to have encountered one of the black-eyed children in 1982. One headline teased that the newest sighting is nothing less than the ghost of the original black-eyed child returned after 30 years of wandering the wilderness. All of these people are not telling the truth. 
but all of them are not telling a lie. All of them may not be figments of the imagination, but all of them may not be factual either. And somewhere between the light and the darkness in that zone of twilight, there is something there. While there are differences between the accounts, there do seem to be some very common attributes to these black-eyed creatures, children, being, demons, whatever you may choose to call them. The black-eyed children are usually described as having pale or pasty skin. Some witness report that the skin looks artificial. Still other accounts claim that the children have olive-toned skin. That implies they are of a Mediterranean origin. Both of these descriptions are also often mentioned in classic men in black encounters. There are those that suggest that these may be the hybrid offspring or the of the abduction cases that are reported. Others state that they are demonic beings of some sort or rather demonic projections. Another investigator, David, mentions other aspects about these black-eyed children. For instance, the manner of their speech. The black-eyed children are reported to speak in a stilted, very monotone manner. There appears to be no feeling, no emotion, no soul and to such a degree that it's very frightening and fearful and haunting to all those that are involved in it, enough so that they are reporting it. The language is often awkward and unusual. They will use phrases that simply aren't natural, such as, is it food time, has been something that has been often repeated. They often want to be let into the home, forcefully, fearfully. They often knock when people are alone or by themselves. Rarely, if ever, do they appear to groups. Is always at night or during the day when people are there by themselves. Perhaps even more troubling, many people who encounter the black-eyed children believe that the children are attempting to actually exert some type of mind control through the use of repeated phrases and their cold, monotone speech patterns. Now, this is something that crops up in many in, men in black encounters. There appears to be elements of attempted coercion by the strange gentleman as witnesses to UFO sightings are encouraged to ignore what they saw. Are the attempts by the children another form of this same control dynamic? That is a question that some authors are asking. Then there is something that is reported very often in the men in black-based situations, and that is electronic interference, and particularly so problems with phones. And it makes it abundantly clear to some authors that these children, these beings, are in some way connected with electromagnetism, electricity, some way, shape, or form. One investigator that we have previously quoted says the following, quote, whatever they are, the black-eyed children don't appear to be going anywhere and they are leaving as many questions in their wake as the men in black before them. Whether the two are connected or not, it looks like we're in for more bizarre manifestations ahead, so pay attention. What are these black-eyed children? I don't know. Are they simply a urban legend gone mad? Are they simply a story that was created that has generated, you know, just the same old stories that we always tell, the same old ghost stories, and there's no harm to it. It's just something that has been generated, and people get emotional, and people get caught up into it. I, I remember at our summer camp one year at our church, we did a little thing where we scared the kids, and we talked about a Bigfoot, and there were several of them standing there at night by the campfire who could swear. They could swear that they could see the Bigfoot out there, and there was nothing there, but their mind convinced them that, that there was a skunk ape in the swamps of Florida that had come into town. Is that what black-eyed children are, something that we're convinced of? I mean, my goodness, who isn't scared of a teenager these days? 
Is that all that it is? Or is it a tulpa? Is it possible, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that something dark, something sinister, has found a wormhole, so to say, from the veil beyond into our world, a tulpa, a manifestation through which, by the story, by the energy, by the fear, something from that reality is brought into our reality. What are these black-eyed children? The next time there's a knock at your door, be careful about running up and answering it. You never know what is on the other side of the door.